Hey, this is Jesse. Heads up to anyone subscribing to any of the old RSS feeds that are linked to at zonn.ca. I will be changing those over before the next episode. Please subscribe to the show through iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or another podcast service. That's the best way to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Also, please consider leaving a rating or review on any of those services. It really helps a lot. Today on the show, we're talking about Love Live, the school idol movie, and its supposedly international theatrical release. So, without further ado, welcome to Zon N Canada. So up until this point, the show has mainly focused on issues with anime relating to television broadcast or online streaming. Uh, this time we're shifting the focus a little bit over to the topic of theatrical releases. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the ongoing international release of Love Live, the school idol movie, and how none of its supposedly international screenings have actually wound up being in Canada. Uh, and, you know, kind of sort of whether or not this is indicative of any greater problems or is just a weird isolated incident. Uh, now, just to give full disclosure, I'm not a big Love Live person myself, but I have brought in a few experts to sort of help explore the subject. Uh, hey, I'm Randy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, whoisfriend. Uh, I love idols, always loved idols, uh, since as long as I can remember singing, watching, singing and dancing anime girls. Uh, so Love Live was a pretty uh, big thing to see. Hey, I'm Aaron, also known as Aaron Cerise on YouTube. Uh, I currently focus a lot on doing Love Live content for my channel, specifically to do with Love Live School Idol Festival, the mobile game. Um, this is sort of my my first idol property, as opposed to Randy. Uh, I've had a lot of history with, say, Magical Girl shows, but this is sort of my first show that's focused a lot on the, the singing and dancing aspect. Uh, so it's been an interesting experience going headlong into into idle hell with this with this franchise. <laughs> hey, I'm Rin Senpai. I'm a blogger and vlogger. Usually I'm cross-playing in some way, showing my obsession with fashion to others through photos and videos. So Love Live was a huge hit on me as soon as I started it about three months ago. I've even started cosplaying as Dozami at some point. Uh, you can find all my stuff on my YouTube, which is also Rin Senpai, and every other channel that I'm on just on my About page, which includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Vine, just about everything. Yeah, you possess the terrifying power of being able to become your own waifu. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Except, Nozomi, I wouldn't call my waifu. It'd probably be Hanayo. Nozomi just has, like, 100% aesthetics for me. <laughs> yeah. So, there's been a lot of noise on social media about... Uh, the Love Live movie not opening in Canada. And when, when I first heard about it, my immediate assumption was that it was a lot like, you know, Bandai Visual's so-called international broadcast of Space Dandy, where it was actually, you know, really just airing simultaneously in the U.S. and Japan with a, you know, a later airing that was happening in the, the Asian version of Anaplex. But they, in their press releases, hyped it up like it was a large-scale international event that was taking place on every continent. Uh, they they did this by sort of stretching words a little bit and saying that, you know, Space Dandy would be airing in on Adult Swim in North America and that they were planning broadcasts in uh, in Europe and and Australia, which I should point out never actually happened. 
Uh, but they, they, they really stretch words to make it seem like it was a big international event uh, when it was really just sort of a small deal that was happening in two countries. You know, if, if you go on to the, the official website for the Love Live movie, uh, you'll and take a look at the list of countries and theaters that it's being released in. Uh, it seems very clear that Canada was a very specific, very strange oversight. Uh, I mean, even even New Zealand got the movie for a long time. There was word that the UK wasn't going to get it, but they are getting it. Um, that's happening in Octo- and that's happening in October now. Uh, and and it seems pretty clear to me that this was like sort of an international phenomenon where Canada was like this really puzzling omission. Um, I did watch an episode or two of the anime a while back. Uh, again, personally, I've never really gotten into the franchise myself. Uh, I wanted to try the game, but uh, years ago, for some reason, I made the mistake of falling into the giant Android circle jerk culture of getting all your devices rooted and recently <laughs> discovered that uh, that Love Live doesn't work on rooted Android devices. <laughs> or, you know, if, if it does, you have to do some really weird workarounds that I... May if I if I had bitten but if I had been bitten by the Love Live bug, I may have bothered to figure out, but I have not. Uh, so maybe maybe my time will come. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but for now, I haven't really uh, had hands-on experience with the game myself. Uh, but you know, j- just to sort of give an idea of of what we're dealing with here, could you guys sort of explain what the uh, what Love Live is? Sort of how it, how it started, how it built up. Uh, why it's become this big international phenomenon that has been worthy of an international movie premiere? Uh, I guess I can give a pretty quick summary of the, like the inception of the whole thing. Uh, first off, Love Live is an older franchise than many people realize. It's been around since at least 2010, mm-hmm. uh, when the first announcements of this big multimedia project were going around the internet. Um, and it started mainly just as a as a series of CDs and manga short stories uh, where Japanese fans could say, vote on who they wanted to be the center of the next single or what costumes they wanted them to wear, things like that. Um, But they were building, they were constantly building in the background towards this larger franchise, uh, just biding their time, I suppose, as they planned. And it seems to have paid off because then they launched the... The full, the full title of the project is Love Live School Idol Project, and it really is a project because it stretches across anime and manga and CDs and video games and uh, cards and uh, so, whole tons of merchandise, and it's this incredibly well-oiled machine, and not not in the sense that it's necessarily artificial seeming. In fact, that's kind of the genius of it. It's this gigantic franchise phenomenon but it also feels incredibly genuine in terms of the the character designs feel alive and warm and people are immediately kind of drawn to them the the voice work of all the seiyu is sort of calculated to <laughs> to give maximum possible effect to the uh to how you are drawn to the characters and their performances um and how they interact orally as a singing group like in terms of, like, you, you have your high ranges, middle ranges, low ranges, and you can mix them however you want, depending on what kind of song it is. There's this feeling of genuineness to it that I think appeals to a lot of people. And the key thing is, I think, uh, one of the key factors, I think, is that it, there's a lot of appeal to a wide ar- array of demographics. Not just, say, 
there's some idol franchises that are made specifically to appeal to young girls, sort of like yeah. sort of like a magical girl series like Precure. There's idol shows sort of for that demographic. Pre-para, or you can I go for the, the hardcore the moe right crowd, now. which is yeah. what a lot of mm-hmm. other things are for. Well, it's, it's interesting because Love Live, uh, I mean, the, the production committee essentially that's sort of behind the whole project consists of the music label Lantis and – and Sunrise is the animation studio behind mm-hmm. the animated projects. And Dengeki <clears throat> G's magazine, uh, which is Otaku Gamer magazine, that itself has sort of uh, reinvented itself a lot over the years. It seems that it really started as an Otaku-specific kind of project. And mm-hmm. Like the singles definitely would have appealed mainly to that demographic. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it, it, it almost seems like the... I mean, this production committee took a took an interesting approach by essentially crowdsourcing everything, in a sense, and 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 sort of. I, I mean, the the mentality seems to be to to create the perfect formula for sucking up otaku dollars, uh, but it, it it seems to have evolved into much more than that. Um, you can especially see that because in in Japan, I think love, the Love Live anime it started running on Disney Channel Japan, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know become a big hit with a with a broad audience but they've it's certainly seeped into other demographics i know that something similar happened with k-on yeah k-on was like the last similar kind of hit and even that is like just a step a step below in terms of like how big it booms Mm -hmm. i think yeah like uh love live i don't think you can really uh overstate just how popular it is uh i've watched the the live concerts uh and like the first live concert before there was an anime it was like a small theater, and uh, I believe the fifth one took place in a stadium. And like, so that's just how much it has like grown from like its weird crowdsourced beginnings. And I think that actually like is really interesting because you get a sense of community from like having this magazine have all these polls. Like, what is this band going to do? How are they going to operate? Kind of, kind of like you're the producer of the group in a way. Mm. I think I think that really has something to do with. Uh, at least how it started getting popular in the beginning. Uh, and I think the, the mobile game definitely um, expanded that demographic considerably. Yeah. And I think there's definitely a bit more of a personal feeling to that kind of production mm-hmm. than it, there is in something like, say, Idolmaster, where you're like explicitly characterized as like, you are the producer for this idol or group of idols. Whereas with Love Live, the say in the mobile game, you're characterized as just being a fellow student who's helping them out. There's oh, okay. sort of everybody's all on the same level. Yeah. That, oh, that's an interesting angle. For me personally, I came into this franchise quite new, like maybe three months ago, right? Uh, the biggest draw for me was just the designs, to be honest. Um, it's really hard to find a design that doesn't completely sexualize a character, I guess you could say. It hits a very specific type of cute and... I noticed the character designs have changed a lot since the, yeah. the earlier days. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I don't know. It's the, the designs appealed to me a lot for that reason because of it. Because you can, I don't know. It's just something that I can look at and not feel like completely weird about looking at <laughs> for some reason. I guess. Yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of it. In that, uh, it, I remember looking back on when the anime first started. There were reviews coming out from, say, like Anime News Network and places. And people remarked on the fact that this seemed like the sort of show that was rife for, like, sexualization and exploitation based on what was going on in anime at the time. And it was notable that it was not exploitative at all. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And like, uh, it's surprising that it comes from uh, Dengeki G's because I actually have a couple issues of Dengeki G's, and it it is kind of on the more sexualized side of otakudom. It's very focused on like on visual novels, uh, arrow gay mainly, um, and like the manga that is included is a little bit on the on the skeevy side sometimes. Uh, and the fact that this this like incredibly genuine, very like family friendly, family safe like series came from that is really uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes with a lot of titles, it's better not to go down the rabbit hole of you know the type of publication it originally uh, appeared mm-hmm. in, because then you could be in for some uh, sobering surprises. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so would in this sense, would you say it's like I, I don't know, legitimize the idea of waifus to people who had not w- would have been more reluctant to embrace that before, or is like is there like another level of appeal to uh, the, the conception of the characters and things like that? Uh, there's definitely not a level to it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, waifu waifus are a part, uh, but it could just be like which which girl do you like the most? Which girl is your favorite girl? Which girl has the best personalities? Yeah, like, like that's the eternal yeah. question of Love Live is who is best Love Live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and like even even and one step beyond, you have um, the the people who who like ship the characters together, and, and like it, it becomes this. Uh, even though it's not explicitly stated, it becomes this kind of like a little bit gay positivity in a way. Uh, I have I have a friend who is who is a lesbian and she uh, doesn't like that aspect sometimes and sometimes she does. It depends on uh, exactly how far it goes in love life specifically. Uh, and it's pretty it, it, it's interesting in that way. It's interesting when you have mm-hmm. something that's so much of it is engineered mm-hmm. from the fandom side. And, mm-hmm. and I like usually when we find, you know, uh sort of queer themes added to to fan added to franchises through through fan fiction and stuff like that it's usually considered very separate from you know the original text itself but with love live you seem to have more of that deliberate cross like like more explicit crossover behind what's going on behind the scenes of the production and what's Mm -hmm. going on with the on the fandom level as well absolutely yeah yeah to the point where the 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 creators have definitely started to pick up on like say fans favorite pairings like Fans really like to pair Nico and Maki together, and that the visibility of Nico and Maki interactions picked up significantly once they realized that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, there was a an, a controversy within the last I think half year or so, where the English version of School Idol Festival had altered some of the character dialogue in translation to make it sound less suggestive of uh, of possible lesbian relationships than it had in the Japanese version. And people raised a huge stink about that mm-hmm. because to a lot of players, that LGBT-ish representation in Love Live is important to them. Uh, how, yeah. Did they fix it? Or did yeah, they did it? fix it, mostly. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, why would they... It's strange that they would make a change like that to me. I, I wonder if it's because the English version of the game is basically the quote-unquote global version, and it goes to a lot more markets than just North America, where, like, social mores are slightly different. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and even, but, like, even then, like, like the dialogue that takes place is, like, super, like, minimal. And, yeah, it's super incidental. Yeah, and, and, like, it references the player as as a male, 
even oh. though it's in an all-girls school. So it kind yeah, of makes no sense. Yeah, it's not an all-girls school. <laughs> oh, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so so they they did end up fixing that. And that Thanks. wasn't in the Japanese version. That was just sort of a flub in the in mm-hmm. the translation. Yeah. 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 Well, they also I think changed a line where like. In the Japanese version, Nozomi said that she likes to look at cute girls, and in the English version, it says she likes to look at cute things. Yeah. Well, that is many levels of problematic right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all from different regions of Canada, more or less. Uh, and, y- you know, I think each city in Canada, or at least each region of Canada, is probably going to have different sort of tastes in in what genres or or types of anime they like just in your local community or just observing people who like anime or just fandoms in general in your communities how really big do you find love live to be because i've heard people accuse it of being something that just has a very small but extremely vocal and visible fan base uh hard to say around here i know i've seen a lot more support for it say in like places in the states and in fact there's a website called School Idol Tomodachi, which actually tracks the locations of a lot of its players. It allows them to input where they are. Oh, really? And you can see on their map, there's a huge concentration density in, like, the states compared to, say, Canada. <laughs> well, you can say that for anything, just due to mm-hmm. the population dispersion. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, but it, I, does, it, does it break it down by city or just by country? Uh, it, it's, like, all the way down to, like, you can zoom in Google Maps style. Oh, huh. wow. Interesting. Can can we access that now? <laughs> yeah, it's the if anybody if anybody's at home listening, uh, it's at schoolido.lu slash map. Is it school i? Uh, so the word school and then ido and then oh, dot okay. lu. Right, there we go. So it should say school idolu. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find it amazing that somebody would make this. <laughs> and the map only represents about 6,000 players, but you get a sense of like where the activity is at, basically. Yeah, largest concentration definitely in uh, Toronto area, mm-hmm. and a bit, and pretty big in Montreal and Vancouver, which are, of course the three biggest cities. There right. is one person in Greenland, from what I can see. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one in Antarctica. Yep. Of course. <laughs> of course. I wouldn't trust that too much. Yeah. Maybe not so much. Those scientists are probably pretty bored, okay? <laughs> I mean, probably. <laughs> it has to be at least one. Yeah. Gotta keep your hands warm somehow. I, I think relative to population, it seems to be a pretty expected sort of distribution. Yes. Yeah, but I do have to wonder if it had, like, some sort of effect on... Maybe not this specific map, but I mean, like, the, uh, the idea of population density might have had an effect on, say, the choice to not release the Love Live movie in Canada. Well, if it did, then somebody really seriously needs a lesson in, yeah. <laughs> in how demographic and, and you would think. distribution works. <laughs> but anyways, uh, as to my like specific experience, I definitely have not experienced as many like in-person uh, fans in this area. Uh, mostly I've uh, experienced them around the card game Vice Schwartz, which has the Love Live license and has Love Live cards. Mm-hmm. So that's mostly where I've seen them. Uh, so for me, uh, Winnipeg is relatively a nerdy city. I, w- I always say it's because there's nothing else to do besides stay inside most of the year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually work for the convention in the city, uh, Icon, and I've noticed, uh, especially since the release of the iOS game, 
like I believe I think I'm fairly certain I would almost say cost like Love Lab cosplayers were like one of the top five cosplay series this year, and like like even like two years ago you wouldn't see that. So it really like came to the surface, and it's really like it's really apparent from looking around now that it is this bigger thing here. Rin, I'm sure you have some uh, some observations to yeah. share on this. Well, we both live in the same city, so you should know too. But it's pretty <laughs> big out here, right? Yep. Um, just we did like a whole convention swing from like July to end of August around here, and each convention we went to, there was just cosplayers just everywhere for this. We have at least two different cosplay groups. Um, what are they doing? They're role playing some of these songs in the dance routines, actually. One of them tried to sign up for one of our own events, the Summer Festival. Um, and there's all there's always the cosplay photo shoot gatherings, even outside of convention times, it's happening. And across anime cl- club convention or anime clubs and stuff like that, they there's just people all the time, just on their phones playing the games or talking about Best Girl and all this other kinds of stuff. So it's it's pretty big in Vancouver, I would have to say. Like yeah, from my from big. my experiences going towards looking at our local sort of clubs and uh, many conventions and small convention-like events that essentially span an entire season, uh, there's definitely a huge concentration of Love Live. Uh, it, it it seems to be one of the most visible things in the, the anime fandom around here. I constantly feel like I am an outsider because <laughs> uh, I, I just see all these people around me who are just completely and utterly invested in, in Love Live. That's my other point. I was going to bring up uh, people basically outside the anime community and stuff. They've at least heard about it, I found. Heard yeah. about Love Live at least once. That's that's interesting. But mostly in like the urban Vancouver area or Metro yeah, Vancouver? Yeah, still in urban Vancouver. Anywhere outside of like Metro Van, not doesn't seem to not have so reached much, out there. Not, not so much in Chilliwack. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I should clarify for myself since I, d- I don't think I said clear enough earlier. Um I didn't attend my local convention this summer, so it's entirely possible I could have missed a ton of Love Live activity there and just didn't see it. I would almost guarantee it. Uh, actually, actually uh, we actually had, besides our cosplay contest, which I believe there are like two or three Love Live groups doing skits, uh, we actually had a idol group come and ask for, for oh, wow. some stage time to do their own routines to the, nice. to the different songs. And that was that was super cool. And it got, it got a pretty big crowd too like so like uh i i would entirely blame love live for this because <laughs> the other idol franchises aren't nearly as big as love live is yeah and, and so i would say love live is a huge reason of why that mm. happened this year idol franchise is if it would it wasn't even really a phrase that you would hear a lot before love live <laughs> no it's like there was stuff like Idolmaster, but it was like nobody really cared about Idolmaster. Yeah, Except there's... for Berserk fans. They cared about <laughs> Idolmaster a lot. Or any old Idolmaster fans right now. I have a lot of friends who are Idolmaster fans who like to be critical of Love Live very often. So. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Idolmaster fan, and, and I don't discriminate. That's good. All, I, all idols are good idols. <laughs> So the Love Live anime ran for two seasons in Japan, and it's all on Crunchyroll and and other uh, probably some other services as well. The Love Live the School Idol movie came out in Japan on June 13th, 
And it was very quickly confirmed that it was going to be getting a full-scale international release by the end of the year, uh, most of which were consisting of one-day screenings in various markets. It would, it would air in multiple on di- multiple different days in some some cities, but for the most part, it was one-day screenings that would be happening in most places. Uh, and not all these screenings were on the same day. Most of them were on different days. I believe even the U.S. release was across uh, a few different days of, the, of one week, uh, depending on what city you were in, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you could I, tell who was getting screenings mm-hmm. when because there would be like waves on Twitter and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's very similar to like the Japanese roadshow style of theaters. I think like they really tried to bring that over here, and I think it had. To, oh, I see. Yeah. I, I, I believe if I if I had to theorize, I think that would be the reason why they chose to like roll out the releases as they did. Yeah, because in Japan, like this, this isn't even though it was uh, obviously very popular. It's not something that's going to be in every theater mm-hmm. uh, you see across Japan. Uh, how did it do in the box office? Do you guys remember how it did in the box office in Japan? I haven't looked up the specific numbers, but I know it did very well. I think it, I believe it is the highest grossing late night anime movie. Uh, I believe that is what happened. I that doesn't surprise me at all. No, no not <laughs> even a little. I believe like it was it was Madoka the Madoka movies were the top and I believe Love Live uh inched it out. So quite a few of these screenings actually have yet to happen. I know there are still a few in Southeast Asia that haven't ha- that haven't happened yet and then there was the UK screenings which uh were only confirmed recently I believe. Uh for a while people were saying it wasn't going to screen in the UK, but it is. Uh, now it's screened in most English-speaking markets except for Canada. If you look at the list on the Love Live website, it's uh, it, pretty much, I think, everybody except Canada and South Africa got it as far as the, the major English-speaking markets go. And I'm not cons- I'm not sure if you'd consider South Africa a major English-speaking market. Going back to what you were saying before about sort of the waves of, uh, of discussion about the movie that happened on Twitter, I mean, how much did social media amplify this as a major event? Uh, and, or, or rather, how much did social media make you feel that you were missing out on a major event? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, so much. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, uh, Love Live is how I, I connect with a very large group of people uh, from around the Twitter, any Twitter universe. And I, I ended up meeting a lot of them when I went to Otakon uh, last year and the year before. Uh Last year's Otakon was the first one after the game had come out, and there were many times when we would just all be playing uh, Love Live together, and we had one friend who really, really didn't like Love Live, and he would just get really <laughs> mad <laughs> the whole time. Uh, but we really, was his like, Android like, device rooted too? No, he just okay. he just he's part of Hate Hive. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, there's a there's a term for it now. There's a term for it. It's Hate Hive. <laughs> uh, he coined it. Oh. Um, yeah, as far as and I think other people have joined on to it since. Um, but it was just this very big bonding experience, and to not be able to continue with that bonding experience with the movie uh, made me feel just completely awful. Like I like I was really missing out on something. Well, I know I definitely felt. Um... Leading up to the movie, it didn't feel so bad. Like, not, not as many people were talking about it leading up to it, at least not more than generally uh, they talk about anything. Um, but, like, right before the release was due to happen, uh, there was definitely a spike in my, like, social media and also on the the 
School Idol Festival subreddit, um, people talking about being excited, about lining up, about getting all the swag and the whatnot. Um, and at that point, then I started to feel like I was missing something because <laughs> I could compare it to like some of my own experiences with other anime screenings. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to be with you guys. Um, I especially was, it felt like there was, there was that one screening that people talked about where they didn't get sound on the movie for like half an hour. And it seemed like the most magical group experience you could imagine because after a while people were like dubbing the movie themselves from the audience and singing Smash Mouth songs over it. (laughs) (laughs) And that sounded like an experience I wanted to be there for, for sure. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, Nicolas Cage was apparently at one of the screenings as well. That is not true. He, like, dropped a sun off at it. Well, that's what he said. No, uh, the photo is taken at an anime store. Oh, okay. Uh, I I know there have been sightings mm -hmm. of him at at an anime store in L.A. Yes, it it was the same store. They just were in cosplay before the movie when they took the picture with him. Oh, and 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 it got got pretty misconstrued pretty quickly. Well, I'm going to have to edit that out because you just killed all the magic for us, Ram. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Uh, um, we do know well, that Nicolas Cage's son likes anime, though. Yeah. Oh, huge anime fan. Uh, I follow a Twitter account called uh, Love Live Confessions, which basically tweet out oh, yeah. be- user submitted inside jokes. And, you know, tons of people fave and retweet it when they find that they can relate to it and stuff, right? So when the movie stuff started coming out, there were tweets about the movie, like, where people got a special card or an art card they received, which was another appeal to go into the movie. If you went there, you would receive a code for a special uh, card in game that you can add to your team or whatever. Yeah, there was lots of swag that they were giving out at these yeah. uh, screenings too, which is another factor I don't think we brought up so, yet. Mm-hmm. When the movie tweets finally came out, there were tweets about not being able to see it. There were just like hundreds of faves and RTs on it about sad stories about people not being able to go to the theater because it's too far away or just not in their city. Or, you know, just people complaining because they couldn't get the free swag that was going to show up yeah. for it, right? Mm-hmm. And basically on my Twitter, recently when I started getting to it, I started tweeting about Love Live once in a while, right? A lot of my new followers all actually follow this Love Live confession page as well, which is bizarre. Every time I go check, oh, I have a new follower. Oh, they also follow this other Twitter account. So it's pretty big just seeing how, when the movie came out, how many people were affected by it. A lot of these exclusives, like, had an impact on the game, too, or they were bonuses that you could use in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, in in each country, the, the release was handled by, you know, the show's respective distributor in that country. And uh, the U.S. release was handled by NIS America, who, of course, has the, the North American rights to to the Love Live anime, and they, I guess, or pretty much all the Love Live stuff here. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure yeah. how the anime-wise, at least, uh, yeah. Anime-wise, yeah. Yeah, and of course that you know by virtue of that because the the Canadian rights are always attached to the American rights. They also had the rights to the, the title in Canada. Um, any personal speculations on why Canada was left out? Uh, because it seems to be a very a very specific oversight. Uh, co- compared to you know. You know, Ireland got it in addition to the UK, and New Zealand got it in addition to Australia. That that kind of extended market courtesy wasn't 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 seen over in the US or over in North America. Well, Mexico got it though. 
but not but not Canada. So we were actually the only country in North America to not get the movie. Mm. Interestingly. Great. <laughs> I don't know if any of my speculations ha- hold any water because I have basically no business savvy. The only thing I can think of is generally when they do an anime or anime related release like this, they have to go through Cineplex because that's mm-hmm. who distributes these things. Um, so I wonder if something happened between them and Cineplex or they just didn't contact them or didn't know to contact them or something like that. Or I have no, not, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Did, did Eleven Arts handle this one in the states? I I'm not sure. I'm not sure I which company. Don't think so. Yeah. It uh from the theater list, it appears to be like independent theaters, but like big independent theaters. Oh. And like Canada doesn't really have that. Canada has Cineplex at least here. And like then in Winnipeg, like a, we have lots Cineplex. of individual independent theaters. Yeah. yeah. There there are a few landmarks around, but yeah. Uh, yeah. For the most part, Cineplex just has this total monopoly on everything mm-hmm. and you, you, yeah, you, landmark never does things like this really no no um i feel like for canada maybe a reason why is our conventions kind of suck and we never invite <laughs> industry guests out here right? uh, otaku thon is pretty good for industry yeah. guests but, but like uh, that's say for so. say for vancouver though like our conventions are not up to par with like say soccer cone or something like that mm-hmm. um i feel like that might have had an effect on it maybe because they know there's not that big of a market out here then. See, but, but, but that's Seattle. interesting. Uh, because every time I've been to a anime movie at, in Cineplex, and I try to go to as almost all of them if I can. Uh, but every time I've been, like it's been uh, 75% to 100% full each time. Mm, and and so like I, I'm just I don't understand how they would ignore this market because like if, if the Anohana movie, which had no real, which was also an NIS property and had nowhere near as big a, a fandom as love live got into Cineplex. I have no idea how love live couldn't have either. I, I yeah. think, I think it was Anaplex who probably pushed the, yeah. uh, the Anohana. Yeah. One. I didn't think Anohana yeah. was an NIS thing. Yeah. Was it? Uh, no, but like, uh, but NIS did handle the anime for Anohana. I think they did, oh, the, they okay. did the physical release. They I did believe. the physical release yeah. for the anime. Yeah. But like, you would think like, so somehow, maybe it was like, Anaplex specifically who pushed that. Yeah. They seem to be the and, ones promoting it on social media anyway. They, I'd believe they, they, that because Anaplex was also the ones who pushed the, uh, the Madoka Magica movie releases. Yeah. That was another one that was that was huge. Uh, yes. Not 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 necessarily as surprising as Anahana's no. <laughs> success would be, and it shows how uh, how you know sometimes these can be really unexpected hits. I I remember hearing that the uh, that the yeah the Anahana screenings in Vancouver were fairly crazy busy, but apparently the Naruto uh, the last Naruto one that came out here was not as popular. Uh, did it come out here? I missed it then. Uh, I was the, gonna go the, see it. Naruto the Last did not come out in Canada. No. Oh, it did not? It okay. did not. The one before that, I think it was Road to Ninja. Uh, we did get that one. Mm-hmm. And I, I again this is just this is just um sort of sort of secondhand information, but I, I heard that uh, a lot of the th- it, it wasn't it didn't have a lot of traction, which I find to be kind of dubious. Mm-hmm. Um but uh and I know, I know we are getting uh, Boruto, Boruto now. Yeah, yeah that's the... early October, I think that's happening. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, the, the, the theater, the theater numbers for that are like extremely limited. Like there are two theaters in Vancouver doing it, and two theaters in Toronto. Yeah, which is here I not see like quick. one Showtime in Edmonton at Ugh. one theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have our 
usual one, which is which is nice. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to blame Viz for this because I'm always inclined to blame Viz <laughs> for, for for anything that goes wrong with one of their properties. But I, I, again, I think it shows how a lot of these things can be unpredictable sometimes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, it's interesting how you pointed out how many of the Love Live theaters in the U.S. are sort of bigger independent theaters because i think it i think that's actually the case with a lot of those you know those 11 art screenings you see through funimation and anaplex and uh and and viz as well uh because it seems that the deals they negotiate with with cineplex are separate and in many cases sometimes they actually have more coverage up here than they do in states i know that was that was the case with all the evangelion movie screenings yes Uh, and I i can tell at least with the second Evangelion movie when it came out in Vancouver, I think that opened across seven theaters in Vancouver, and most of them nearly sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the other Ava movies did did fairly well as uh, did pretty well as well. Um, I remember Trigun didn't do quite as well, at least not in the theater I went to, which was disappointing because I liked that movie. <laughs> yeah, Trigun, Trigun think... also never had a like big Canadian market in the first place. It never did. No, uh, that, that was always like if you. You know, if if you uh, if you shelled out forty five dollars for the DVDs uh, or something like that, because that's how much they cost if you were lucky mm-hmm. back then. I know we're getting the Attack on Titan movies soon as well. We Is that Funimation as well? Those I can't are remember. Funimation. Yeah, the yeah. live action uh, Attack on Titan. I'm inclined to because I saw Dragon Ball. I saw Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F in theaters, and they had a sizzle reel before they actually played the movie um, of a bunch of theatrical properties that are coming out. Uh, I'm inclined to believe that they're going to put all of those into theaters. Was Which the is, Psycho Pass movie in that? The Psycho Pass movie wasn't that. It was it was it was Attack on Titan, Psycho Pass, and uh, the Boy and the Beast. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm inclined to believe they're gonna at least try to get all those out. I, I would hope so. Yeah, I definitely. I hope so. I definitely. <laughs> hope... Especially, mm-hmm. Especially since um, at my theater and reports from other theaters are that Psycho Pass got like very loud cheers. So yeah, I'd love like... to catch uh, both all all of those in theaters if uh, if they uh-huh. come out. So hopefully. Uh, hopefully yeah. they, they don't blue ball us on that. <laughs> I, I I know with NIS and when sort of going back to the the industry at cons thing, uh, I I actually asked NIS reps when they came to SoccerCon that one time why they don't sort of distribute their DVDs and Blu-rays in Canada uh, because you can't you actually I know you can import them through their website uh, at some pretty high shipping rates. Um, but you can't import them through Amazon.ca, which you can do with, like, say, discotheque titles. Uh, and I asked them why they hadn't been pushing for a Canadian distribution, and they said it's just because they're a small company. Um, which seems kind of strange to me that they would be able to handle a big uh, American theatrical release like uh, like the Love Live movie, but they, they can't even get it in a few theaters in Canada? I don't know. Yeah. That that seems kind of suspicious <laughs> to me. There, there was a lot of oversight in the States, too. Um I'm thinking specifically Minneapolis has a really big market and they didn't get it. I heard I heard Boston didn't get it either. Mm. Or uh, I could be something like that. Yeah. Like I I would have driven to Minneapolis if it played in Minneapolis. (laughs) Uh, I considered driving to Kansas City, but Kansas City was on a Wednesday and I couldn't do that. I almost wanted to go down to Seattle when I was going to show there too, but (laughs) yeah, I was on my girlfriend's birthday, so I was like, "Uh, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) It was even playing in Vancouver, Washington. Which, yeah, that, that's like the equivalent <laughs> of playing it in Chilliwack. Yeah, it, no, it is. I've been to Vancouver, Washington. It looks exactly like Chilliwack. I think the reason why is because it's so close to Portland. Maybe they figured there's just a lot of people around there. Just have it up at another theater. Yeah, so I mean, the strat the strategy overall seemed, you know, at least a little slapdash. 
Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it had pretty good coverage across across the U.S. There is actually another movie that's coming out to theaters, but only Ontario and Nova Scotia. Which the, which one? Have you heard of this Anthem of the Heart? No, it's from the no. Anohana. It's from the Anohana people. Uh, it takes place in the same city as Anohana City because I guess the tourism board wants some more stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh. But but they've released the theater listings, and the only Canadian cities are Toronto and Halifax. Is it is it at a film festival in Halifax? No, uh, it's in Halifax, Halifax. I don't, I don't believe so. It's the Cineplex Young Dundas in Toronto and the Scotiabank Halifax Theater in Nova Scotia. Like those, like main, like those, like Cineplex theaters, both of them. So that's kind of bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. Like why Nova Scotia? Maybe they got a really good deal. <laughs> why Nova Scotia? <laughs> yeah, that's like like a Cineplex in Nova, like like Scotiabank is Cineplex, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like a Cineplex theater in Nova Scotia, but nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really weird. <laughs> I feel uh, like there's like some like crazy, weird, twisted business relationships that we know nothing about and that, that is key to understanding all of this. <laughs> there must be. Or they're gonna announce dates later, which I hope they do. Yeah, so, I hadn't I hadn't heard of that film personally. But uh yeah, it, it sounds like there's probably gonna they're probably gonna announce more later. But if, so. if it is just in in Nova, Nova Scotia, Scotia. That's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a strange choice for sure. It really is. So, um, I, I know we we touched on this a little bit already, but I mean, what if, what if your for other movies that have uh, been released in theaters? I know you've all seen at least a couple. What have your experiences at the screenings been like? I think they've ranged a lot, but for the most part, they've all been full. That's the one thing I can say. I think the only one I went to that wasn't either full or nearly full was one of the Evangelion movies, and I think that was just because I went to the theater that nobody goes to for that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've pretty much always been a, a great like rallying point for the local fandom. It's like every everybody who likes anime in the town go, comes together and like is able to celebrate this thing outside of a convention atmosphere. It's like a <laughs> it's like a little mini con almost. Just within this one room. Mm-hmm, I agree. There's I, like I, costumers. I, there's people playing their DSs and playing Street Pass things. There's swag that people can get. Uh, there's plenty of people to meet and talk to. I've I've seen like, like I said I I've seen almost everyone that's come to town. Uh, the lowest audience was uh, definitely the Space Battleship Yamato live action movie, and that was <laughs> that was actually mostly like mostly like old timers, and I was really that was really fascinating. Uh, but yeah, like every, every screening I've been to has been, uh, pretty different and for the most part, pretty great. Uh, like Madoka was great. Cause like we all, there was a twist that happens at the end of the third movie and everyone gasps and mm. freaks out. Uh, everyone, cr- <laughs> everyone cries during Anohana. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be kind of annoying to hear a bunch of people crying all at once. I have to admit. <laughs> Did you not see? Yeah, no, with- I had this experience with the Madoka one as well. That was, yeah. that was quite amazing. <laughs> Uh, the new Dragon Ball movie was just like the whole audience was like pumped all the time. <laughs> there were some, there was like, like Frieza hurls uh, a wicked insult of Vegeta and the entire audience just like, like, like went, oh, and it, it, it was pretty amazing. Uh, I, I, I had one bad experience and that was with Ava 3.33 just because it was filled with a bunch of uh, girls in the audience who giggled every time Kaoru was gay, 
And that <laughs> oh was, god, it, it, the piano it, scene. That sounds that, like it would, that, that sounds like it would enhance the experience. Uh, it got really old <laughs> and a little bit offensive really quickly. I, I find in general that these screenings as sort of a, uh, a theater experience they're not always that great i especially find that at a lot of the a lot of, a lot of fans seem to laugh at the stupidest shit uh during movies a lot of the time you know it's it's really interesting to see the way people rally around it um mm. and, and it sort of creates an event for fa- for fans who are used to being just completely like oversaturated with content all the time you know what it is you know what i just what just came to mind you know what this all reminds me of this feels like what anime conventions and anime clubs used to be like like when anime was a lot harder to get a hold of you it was a lot more common to have that group experience to get to like all go to the anime club or all go to the 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 screenings at the anime convention and that's how you had to see things and it with the of course anime being much more widely available online and whatnot you get very you get a lot fewer opportunities to just have this big group experience with a show Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. Even even compared to when I was going to anime clubs, uh, even though anime was like available illegal online, it, it, we still had, like these big group showings in like university theaters or whatnot, mm-hmm. and and they're always like really interesting. Like like even like for dumb shows that we didn't really like, like uh, we watched Devil Man Lady one time, <laughs> and and there was like crazy reveal, and it was this show that we all kind of watched in the background and we didn't really care about. But when the reveal came, we all freaked out. The uh, stuff like that that kind of like spontaneously happens, and that's why I kind of go to everyone that I can in general, even though I don't, even though I don't really care about it. Yeah, like see, you like, sense it almost. See, like, sorry, go ahead. What 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 the experience is going to be with that specific movie? <laughs> yeah, like in a sense, it almost doesn't matter what the showing is, as long as you experience it together. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of my feeling on watching stuff with a club and watching stuff in a theater like i went to one of those bleach movies and i haven't watched bleach in a long time but it was still fun to see how the crowd reacted to that one ren did you have anything for that uh i don't actually go to the screenings around vancouver very often to be honest (laughs) i think i think you went to the uh the evangelion one i did yeah that one Actually, when I did go to that one, um, when I used to be on 4chan a lot, we had like a 4chan gathering there just to go watch it, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> that was about it, though. What, what did they do? Nothing. It Nothing. was just like any anime <laughs> convention. It's what you ex- would expect with 4chan people trying to gather in one place, really socially awkward and quiet, and no one really <laughs> talking to each other. <laughs> with the interactions I have with, with clubs and, and things like that, I, I noticed that with a lot of university students and stuff, there's a lot of disdain towards acquiring anime legitimately a lot of the time. But I've I found recently that a lot of that has been pointed more towards streaming services, and there's actually been a really consistent kind of reverence that's been pointed towards theatrical screenings at the same time. And ironically enough, it seems that owning physical releases seems seems to be getting more reverence now than it than it used to be, whereas that used to be the thing that you know, fan sub enthusiasts would always turn their nose at. Theatrical screenings, I think, have this sort of aura or quality that that endears no matter what your perspective on that kind of thing is. Mm-hmm. I think that's because, like, the theatrical experience has never really been diminished in any way through piracy, and as opposed to watching a TV show or watching an anime has. But, like, the theatrical experience has always kind of remained this important cultural thing that that happens and i think i I think that's a reason why 
I have to say, I'll never understand people who watch cam rips. Uh, they, they, they seem like <laughs> totally unappealing to me. Mm-hmm. I know you have to be like the most desperate to watch a cam rip. And the, like the one time I got that desperate, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> so international screenings for the Love Live movie aren't done yet. You think there's still any hope for, for Canadian screenings? You think uh, NAS might have a change of heart or people could do anything to uh, bring attention to the the Love Live love in, in Canada? They seem pretty dead set against ignoring a lot of the comments people have made on their social media pages about it. So I would say probably not much hope. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, I am yeah. certain there's going to be a screening when I buy the Blu-ray and have one in my house. Uh, as far as that theatrical one goes, I, it's, there's, I have zero hope. Yeah, I don't think so. Especially with the comments you gave us about talking to them at, uh, SoccerCon that one time. Well, that was a couple years ago, to be fair. Yeah, but uh, but still, they're not going to budge, it sounds like. Yeah, just from their uh, social media response alone, at least, that tells me it's like, either they, they have their schedule set in stone and they can't move from it, or... I don't know. They know they know they know it's an issue, but they can't change it at this point. Whatever their contracts are might be set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't uh the uh the screenings are still happening worldwide, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look uh too hopeful for that. Which is disappointing because, you know, I, I even as someone who isn't into the franchise, I I could really feel that love across uh, across Twitter and social media when it was happening in, in different cities around uh, the globe. Did anybody else have anything else they wanted to, to bring up before we finish? Uh, I have one thing to add before sure. the end. Sure, uh, uh Nico is trash, and I feel like everybody <laughs> should know this. Oh, I was going to say just the opposite. Nico is the best. I'm going <laughs> to say that. Nico is a very good character in the anime, and I think... <laughs> I know, I make fun pers- of her, but I yeah. actually do enjoy her. Personality-wise, I think she's the best, because she feels like she is very self-aware of idol culture and everything, and she will just, like, play it so hard and then just talk trash about it at the end. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I would even yeah. say Nico is trash, and that's why she is the best. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a loving kind of trash. Yeah, I had I had Nico written in my notes, but I was kind of afraid to bring it up because I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> this <laughs> you're Nico's afraid that if you girl. if you say her name, you will suddenly summon all of her fans. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Nico's she's all right. She's good. I like her. Yeah. Not my number one, but she's up there. Yeah, no, I think it's 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 an achievement in the way they've constructed the characters that uh, most people have a least favorite girl, but. Most people also don't hate any of the girls. Yeah, Usually I, it's I, like, it's just the one you like the least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, that's Ellie. I'm sorry, Ellie fans. Oh, she's like my second favorite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Love Live. Yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell. That was Zon N Canada. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Randy, Aaron, and Rin for coming on the show. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and please leave a rating or review on any of those services if you can. You can contact me through Twitter, at Canada or using the comment form at zonan.ca. All music on the show is by Ultra Klystron. You can check out his stuff at ultraklystron.com. As always, if you know anyone who might be interested in this show, please recommend it to them. Thanks for tuning in. See you again.